Hi, I'm Joe, and this is the Decahedron RPG Podcast. Mail call from the United States of America. Hi, you have reached the Decahedron RPG Cast feedback line. Just start talking at the sign of the tone. Hey, Jason here, just listening to episode 42, Table Manners, great episode. For the most part, I totally agree with pretty much everything you guys said. As far as the idea of playing your character and knowing the rules, and, and when I mention play the character, I mean play the character, not the rules, The it gets a little tricky with some systems. You mentioned GURPS. If you, you're not aware of the combat options in using GURPS, potentially it, it becomes a very vanilla I swing, I swing, I swing, where there are a number of combat options, but if that falls into knowing the rules, but also falls into, you know, sometimes you have to do mechanical things to further the gameplay. Now, that's going to, of course, depend on the group that you're playing with and whatnot, and if your group's not into playing, you know, if your group's not munchkins and into playing, that's not fair. If your group's not into tactical play, then that might not be an issue, but if you have people that enjoy the tactical aspects of the games, then, you know, those lines blur maybe a little bit. As far as deep percentiles and the problem with those, well, what I'll offer you is in some systems you have the opportunity at certain times to flip those dice. So you can turn that 19 into a 91. And in those games, it makes a heck of a lot of sense to play percentile dice because it gives you those options. The Troubleshooters is a, a pretty new modern game that does that. That's a really interesting system. Anyway, great episode. Look forward to your next one. Hey, that's Jason, the host of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. It's a great podcast. I recommend you checking it out. You made two points there that I wanted to address. One was when you were talking about playing the character versus the rules. I don't think you made any points to sway my mind. If you're playing with a very tactical group, they are unlikely to make a character that wouldn't make a tactical choice. You know what I mean? My very first GURPS character back before it was GURPS, I've talked about that before, had two disadvantages. One was cannot lie, and the other one was pacifist. Pretty much couldn't make the first strike. There are several different layers of pacifism in GURPS, but the one that this character has was couldn't attack first. Once someone else attacked, it was free reign. So having established that of the character, it would be wrong of me to say, well, that person that we're sneaking up on, let's say we're sneaking up on a guard, is unaware of us. I could attack for advantage. That's a very tactical decision, but against goes against the core of the character. Now you say tactical players might want to lose out on the advantage. Again, the tactical player probably would not have taken that disadvantage to begin with. So really, I see no conflict there with what I originally said. The next thing you said was about flipping percentiles. I actually used to do that a long time ago. Again, speaking of GURPS, uh, when I was down in Texas, I ran GURPS game in that one. Uh, that The particular scenario I'm thinking of involved armies and forces and not wanting a detailed mass combat system. Pretty much, again, I am not a tactical player. I'm more of a narrative player. Pretty much, I just had the character make a tactical skill roll, and if they did well on it, they won the battle, and they did poorly on it, they, they lost the battle. But either way, I would roll percentile dice to see like the percentage of forces they lost and the percentage of forces that the opponent lost. And if they did well, and let's say I rolled a 48 
Um, wow. I would still say that they lost 48% of their forces because sometimes you can win and still at a great cost. You know, on the other hand, if they lost, I'd probably flip that and say they lost 84% of their forces. And so there's that. But uh, hey, as always, thanks for the call. Hey, Jason, again, just have an addendum to my call about the table etiquette. Again, great episode. As far as Savage Worlds goes, the initiative system, I get what you're saying, the idea of mixing cards and dice and all that. But honestly, in the Savage Worlds games I've been in, especially in person, but also even online, players eat that up. So it's not for everybody, but there is a huge subset of people that really enjoy it. And even the people that aren't sure about it, what I found like at conventions, when the cards start going and the bennies and your chips start going back and forth, it, it really gets people up. It's like the die system in that, you know, when you have exploding dice, a D4 is going to explode more often than a D10. So mathematically, it looks really wonky, but at the table, it's a lot of fun and people enjoy it. Obviously, a style game's not for everybody, but, you know, it actually is. They designed a system that really is crowd pleaser, interestingly enough. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. And there was something else, and now I'm not thinking of it. So I'm probably going to have to give you a third call after I re-listen to the episode and jog my memory. Hey, Jason. Thanks again. So the question was, what is a mechanic that I personally don't like? And I personally don't like the Savage Worlds initiative mechanic. It's, you know, it's a personal preference thing. It's it's purely subjective. I don't like it. There's lots of things like that, right? I thought the Nissan Juke was an adorable, cute little car. Nobody else in the world did. Eh, that's me. Then you start talking about, like, uh, Savage Worlds as a whole, the entire game system. I like Savage Worlds other than the initiative system. And actually, there's something else I didn't like. I thought it was rather complicated and wonky. I can't remember what it was. But overall, as a whole system, I like it. I like the way that they marry the skills and the attributes. In general, I don't like them married at all. But if you're going to do it, I like the way that Savage Worlds does it. I like the core mechanic. Yeah, I like the explode and die. There's a lot about it I like. And in fact... I would say it's definitely in my top five games. So yeah, it's a good system. I just don't like the way they do initiative, but that's me. Hey, Jason here, third and knock on wood, hopefully last message on the tabletop etiquette episode. Uh, it's actually in regards to my first call about this, where I talked about where, you know, knowing the rules and playing the character sometimes can get in the way of each other, depending on the game system, if it wants you to do intricate tricks or you know, different techniques and tactics. But you know what? If you have a good GM there, it probably doesn't matter because although this goes against a little bit the know the rules thing, if you have a good GM and the player describes what they want to do, the GM should be able to make, you know, work the rules to do that. So if you want to do a trick, if you want to kick sand in somebody's face or your buddy's fighting somebody and you want to do something to help them and, you know, you're not sure how the rules would implement that, but you just describe what your character would do, then the GM hopefully will know the rules well enough to be able to make that happen and tell you how to do that mechanically. So, you know, maybe it's not as big a problem, providing the GM is willing to provide that support. But, you know, like I say, GURPS is one of those examples where that could be an issue depending on what rules you're using. Savage Worlds is another one with a lot of combat options where that could be an issue, potentially. But I just want to throw that out there, and I will stop calling you. Sorry. <laughs> keep up the great work. Hey, there's no need to apologize or keep calling. I enjoy your feedback. I don't like saying words like good and bad GMs. It's really a matter of compatibility with A, the system and the other players. But yeah, I agree that a well-skilled GM will definitely be able to carry a player uh, with what they're trying to do. And I think 
in that call, you made my point exactly that the player should just describe what they want to do and the GM should figure out the rest. And if there's tactical advantages one way or the other, and it's something that the character would be aware of, I think a good GM, again, (laughs) I think a good GM would point that out to the player. Hey, yeah, that's a good idea. But did you know that if you did this, you would have this other benefit? Your character, being a seasoned veteran of 12 wars, would probably be aware of that. And then you let the player make the final decision. But you triggered another thought in my mind. And that's probably the thought I was having when I recorded the the initial episode. So one of the games I really like a lot, in fact, it's another one that's probably in my top 10 uh, role-playing games, uh, this one for dungeon fantasy type games, is Dungeon World, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. We've talked about Powered by the Apocalypse before. But what confuses a lot of players is that you have your character sheet, and at the bottom of the sheet is a list of these moves. And people, players, new players to the game, make the mistake of looking at those moves and and stating that that's what they're trying to do. For example, one of the moves is called discern realities. And that's when, you know, you're looking around and you're trying to figure out what's really going on here, whatever. You know, it's your, your checking things out skill is what it is. Beginner players make the mistake of saying, okay, I want to discern realities. And that's not what you're supposed to do. It's a very narrative game. In fact, the GM is always supposed to lead with a question, what do you do? And you don't say, I discern realities. Your character has no concept about that. Your character instead is going to go talk to the barkeep. He's going to search through the desk, whatever. He's making the action that he makes. And it's the GM's job to determine which move those actions are invoking. And I think maybe that's where I was coming from during that episode. But again, it's really about staying true to your character and doing what your character would do, not what works best by the rules. And yeah, uh, definitely it's probably uh, a play style choice. Yeah, I'll give you that. Hey, this is Jason. Just listened to your feedback episode 43. In response to the question, how much of me goes in my characters, it depends. So often, probably 75% of the time, it is man, 50 to 75% of the time. It's pretty close to me, honestly, personality-wise. But there are times in certain games where it's not, and, and I, I'll totally play intentionally, play against my personality. And, you know, those are some of the, the fun games, right? But it, but it really depends on the group. It depends what we're doing. Um, a, a lot of times in the games, depending on the system, the teamwork aspect's really important. In, in those kind of games, typically I'm playing close to my own personality. I, I might throw some quirks in there. The, the character may have some weird, well, quirks and things that, you know, I'll play up. But for the most part, it'll be, a you know, helpful and team player and all that kind of thing. Occasionally, if, if we all agree and, and we're into that kind of thing, then I'll play a character that's maybe not. But I, I'm not big into lone wolves or anything like that. But every now and then having a character who's at odds with the other character, not player versus player so much, but, you know, has a personality that grates the other players or all, or the other player characters, I should say, is useful. But I think it's important you have to keep that goodwill at the table, so you don't want to go to the point where you're actually annoying the other players. It's a fine line there. Anyway, thank you for the episode. Excellent hearing your responses. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for that, Jason. I really have nothing to add. I sounds like we're in virtually perfect agreement there. Thanks for the uh, feedback. 
Oh, one last thing I should mention. You know, in the previous months, I had been doing where the contest mirrors the content I do on the show, like when I did noir or I did the spy movies. Or, um, but now, but this month with martial arts, actually, I haven't been doing that. <laughs> Sadly enough, it's a missed opportunity on my part. But I, I haven't really been doing a lot of martial arts focused episodes. The that was just kind of the contest, so that that was a a missed opportunity. Maybe I'll have to do a martial arts may or something but probably not probably not this year anyway keep up the great work talk to you soon hey thanks again really i thought i'd heard quite a bit of martial arts content this month i mean not exclusively but more than i remember hearing in other months i thought anyway as jason's hinting that there his uh podcast often has a theme for the month and apparently according to him the episodes don't always follow the theme but like i said i still think it followed more than he thought it did. Maybe that's what it means, that it wasn't exclusively martial arts all month. I personally have been campaigning for him to do like a, a war month, like featuring war movies and war properties. But we'll see if he actually does that. Again, thanks for the feedback. Finally, we have an email from Dustin. Dustin says, I've been enjoying your show. In response to your request for questions to answer at the end of your episodes, I suggest, what is your date of birth? What is your mother's maiden name? What is your social security number? I feel that these questions would really help the audience get to know you better. Signed, Dustin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks for that, Dustin. So before people start calling the police and everything on Dustin, I should point out that he sent this email on April 1st. So, A, that was kind of a clever little April Fool's there. Number two, I know Dustin. Dustin played in actually my Savage Worlds campaign a few years ago, back in 2015, I believe it was. And uh, he played a, a Obasti cat type character, a bit thievish. Yeah, so I know Dustin. He's not trying to steal my identity. And the last thing is because we talked about it after, after I got it and I laughed and I contacted him. He was actually expressing some concern that, like, the first question we did was, what was your first car? And he said that that's one of those security questions that they ask on websites to confirm your identity, you know, when you, like, forgot your password or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is. But that doesn't really bother me too much because when they ask questions like that, I would say something like avocado or something, right? I have a, a list that I write down, and it's different for every website. You know, I write down the website, I write down what questions I answered and what bogus answer I gave to the question. And so, yeah, thanks for that concern, uh, Dustin. Thanks for the funny question. It was awesome. But on the end of episode questions, I, I'll take this opportunity to make an announcement that we're not going to do those anymore. And it's not because of this. You know, I try to keep the episodes under, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And I found that we would get to the end of the episode and we'd be tight on time. And then we'd go and answer the question and it would fill up almost the entire time slot all over again. I still think, though, that it's a good way to, like, introduce ourselves to the audience. So I think what I'm going to do instead is, like... Once every month or two, have a special episode that doesn't have really gaming content, and it's more about, you know, getting to know the hosts, and we're just going to do something like that. But yeah, that's it. Thanks again, Dustin, and everybody else. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for your feedback. Please call in, write in, text us, whatever. Send us your feedback. I'm holding back a cough here, so I'm going to go. Thanks for listening. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Decahedron RPG Cast. We'd love to hear from you. 
you can leave us a voice message by calling 562-774-2278. That's 562-RPG-CAST. Or by visiting sayhi.chat slash decahedron. You can also email us at feedback at decahedron.com. Links are in the show notes. For more information, visit decahedron.com. Remember that decahedron is spelled with a K. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Logos by Design Cat. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep those dice rolling.